This is the Band School Podcast, where we talk about business adventure and mission with your host, Buddy Rathmel. All right, I'm here with Tyler Burton. I heard him on one of my childhood friend Chuck Belden's little podcast about um, Raleigh. And as he was telling his story and telling about the company that he works for, I was like, we have to get Tyler on the BAM School podcast to tell his story. Great conversationalist, great mission that his company has. So Tyler, uh, take it away. Tell us about yourself. Tell us your journey and how you got to where you are right now. Well, hey, buddy. Uh, first off, impressed with the background. Uh, I know there's an audio and a visual component to this, but my goodness, your, your backdrop is, is intimidating, to say the least. Like, you've got <laughs> everything placed perfectly. Um, like, really impressed by it. But, yeah, buddy, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's great to be able to just connect with you for a little bit. Uh, Chuck Belden's the man, so uh, glad that we were able to connect through him. Yeah, so I'm originally from Tampa, Florida, Uh, so born and raised a Tampa Bay Bay, uh, Bucks fan. Uh, So go Bucks, go Tom Brady. Yeah, congrats. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, My heart also is a Tampa Bay Rays fan as well, so I've had it. It's been a pretty good year sports-wise. Yeah, originally from Tampa, uh, went to school at Florida State for a few years, uh, and then through just a series of uh, really difficult uh, events during my first two years, ended up uh, realizing the truth of Jesus and seeing that Jesus is not just an idea, but he's a person. Uh, and either you can uh, fall down and worship him uh, or you can run away from him, but there's no third option. And so uh, when I came to that realization, just gave my life to Jesus and then kind of everything went crazy from there, man. Uh, just started to uh, lead, follow where the Lord was leading one step at a time, moved back home, was in pastoral ministry for a time in Tampa and then just really realized that I, I needed to sit under some really amazing men and learn for a while. And so moved to North Carolina uh, to be at Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest. And then cool. was here for a few years, was on staff at Southeastern. But uh, like most good stories, uh, I met a girl. Uh, and in <laughs> meeting this girl, uh, I needed some income. Uh, I realized really quickly that I wanted to marry her. Um, we met December 2019, and I knew January 2020 that I wanted to marry her. And so... Uh, I didn't have any money. I was a part-time student uh, or full-time student, part-time worker. Uh, I didn't know what what the next step was. And so I reached out to our church and I said, hey, here's my skill set. Would love to just have an interview with anybody who's hiring. And a buddy of mine who now is my small group leader and who actually performed our wedding uh, reached out to me and said, hey, have you heard of Turos? I was like, I don't even know what word you just said. I've never heard of Turos before. (laughs) And he said, yeah, look us up online. We're a recruiting company. So I looked up Turos online, and I still had no idea what they did. I was like, I don't know what recruiting is. I don't know what hiring is. I, I just have no idea what's going on. Came in and shadowed Turos and was just blown away. Uh, I had never seen a company that uh, so desired to put the mission of the gospel and business together. Uh, so how can yeah. we be profitable, build a business, be faithful in what we're doing, but also share Jesus and have Jesus and the gospel be the center of everything. So, um, yeah, so I've been at Turos uh, since March of last year. Uh, I do I do a little bit of everything, uh, just like everybody at Taras. We, we kind of do a little bit of everything, but uh, mostly uh, sales consulting, things like that. And then, uh, well, yeah, my first day was the day of the COVID shutdowns, which was just uh, oh, so wow. fun and uh, crazy, to say the least. So, yeah, a little bit of a high level, how I got where I am, and uh, love being able to just be here and talk with you. All right, so real quick, what's your wife's name? Her name's Maggie. Maggie. So how did you – what – helped you know within a month that Maggie was the one? 
Oh man, you're gonna get me talking about my favorite person now. Um, <laughs> yeah, so she, so Maggie is the is the strongest person that I know, and then is also the best friend that I know. Uh, I just saw who she was with her friends, and then I yeah. saw as quickly in our relationship how good of a friend she was to me. And then I was like, I, I just want to spend my life with this person. Like it was quick. Yeah. It was like, it was. I just want to be this person's best friend for as long as I live. And it was right away, man. And so, uh, yeah, we started talking about it in February. Uh, I proposed in May and then we got married in August. So it was, crazy. Oh, wow. It was awesome. So you're, yeah, awesome. you're like, uh, what, six, seven months into, into marriage, six months in man, August 29th, 2020. So six months in nice. Congrats, dude. So tell us a little bit about Turas. The, the theme is redeeming the people business or that's yeah. your tagline or whatever. Tell us, tell us a little bit about what you guys do, how, how that operates. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Taras is a recruiting firm. Uh, most recruiting firms focus themselves in the white-collar space, right? So it's how can we get uh, high-quality applicants into high-quality jobs? Uh, and usually those recruiting firms take care of their uh, candidates incredibly well. Uh, they are treated like respectfully. There's so much dignity shown. There's a lot of care. There's usually even some elements of coaching in that space. Uh, our founder and CEO, Michael Thompson, uh, lived in that world. Uh, he did a lot of recruiting. Uh, he was working uh, overseas for a while. W what he noticed, though, is that there were some people who were existing in uh, blue-collar recruiting spaces, uh, but most blue-collar recruiting was exploitative. Um, and if it wasn't exploitative, at the very least, it was transactional. Right. Yeah. It was uh, these are people who need jobs. These are people who need a place to get themselves on their feet. But the people who are recruiting for them are either not taking care of them as people, uh, certainly aren't trying to share the gospel with them. And then if they're being rejected from a job, they're not told why they're being rejected from a job. Yeah. Right. They're, it's just kind of like a burn and churn model, especially in warehouse work, food and beverage, things like that. So Michael kind of had this vision of. How do we be? Able, how do we create a company where we can be profitable, where we can work in this blue collar space, but we can quite literally redeem, work redemptively in a business that's broken, uh, in a space that's incredibly transactional, uh, that doesn't care about people. And so, uh, our mission, like you said, is to redeem the people business, one candidate and one client at a time. And so, uh, what that looks like essentially is in every space that we operate in, uh, we seek to be redemptive towards the candidates that we talk to and the clients that we interact with. Uh, so in interviews with candidates, right? So one of our biggest U.S. clients is Chick-fil-A. Love Chick-fil-A. I'm, I'm sad for you over in Thailand, buddy, that you don't have any Chick-fil-A. When you come back to Raleigh, we'll go to one of our stores together and get you get you Sweet. a good number one with some fries. Um, but in, in Chick-fil-A, there is this culture of caring for people. And so it worked out really well for us to start partnering together, especially in the hiring process. So what we do for our interviews is we, we're doing vetting, we're wanting to see experience, hear core four ratings, things like that. But we're also taking time to coach candidates on the back end of the interview. So let's say cool. that somebody didn't do well, right? They just had a really bad interview. Most of the time, if you have a bad interview and are not hired for a job, you're not told what you did wrong, right? Yeah. You're not told, hey, if you had done this a little bit better, increase this skill, do a little bit more energy, work on your intro, they're not told that. And so they're going to go then into their next interview doing the exact same things they did on their former interview and not get right. that job, right? So then, then they'll keep doing it. And then there's a cycle of poverty over and over again. And somebody's trying to get a job. They're working as hard as they can to get it, but no one's helping them do it, right? No one's yeah. teaching them to be able to get the skills they need in order to do it. And so our recruiters usually interview windows are about 10 to 15 minutes, right? 
the first eight to nine minutes is evaluation. It's caring for this person. It's seeing if they're a good fit, things like that. Towards the end, there is an opportunity to just coach them, honestly. Like, hey, can I, can I share with you one or two things that if you were to put this into practice, you'd probably get the next job that you interview for? I, I've had maybe one or two people in the hundreds of interviews that I've done say no, right? Most everyone goes, yeah, absolutely. Please tell me. And then you're able to coach them, right? You're able to say like, hey, here's something you can do to improve. And then on the back end of that, we're able to pray for them. So we ask specifically like, hey, is there anything in particular that I can pray about for you? So we're kind of a James approach, right? We're, we're giving food, right? We're giving a tangible, here's your next thing. But also we want to share the gospel with them as well. So it's kind of a holistic approach to caring for people. So um, that's a little bit about how we do it, uh, specifically in the, the interview process. We want to coach candidates. We also want to care for them and share the gospel through them to them through prayer. That's awesome. Yeah, one of the things I've been studying disciple making movements a lot the last couple of years. And one of the things that is kind of all around the world, whether it's Google or in Facebook, where there's cool things going on or countries across the globe is the idea of how can I help? Is there anything you need? Can I be praying for you? Like ministering and meeting needs um, and yeah, and the message of the gospel, but um, just that, yeah, just asking people, hey, how are you doing? You know, can I pray for you? What's going on? And um, really cool that you guys are able to to bring that into your business practices. Are there like principles that guide you specifically? Like, what, you know, what, you know, a verse that, that you know, or a lyric, a, you know, is there something that really you kind of derive energy from? Yeah, I, there's probably a few. I would say in Galatians 2.20, um, for uh, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Like, if, if there's anything I could have imprinted on my eyeballs so that when I close my eyes, I see every day, it, it yeah. would be that. that my, my life is not mine. Uh, my life is not my own. It's entirely for Jesus. I was bought by Jesus through his blood. Uh, he ransomed me and saved me and took me out of despair and now has put me here to live entirely with him and for him. And so, man, my life isn't mine. And so now I can walk in life seeking to love Jesus through how I live and then also the people that I'm around. Yeah, really cool, man. That's awesome. Um, so what, you know, you talked about what your company does. What do you love specifically about your role? Oh man. So I, I love wearing multiple hats. Uh, I am, I'm crazy in that regard. Uh, the, yeah. the more different things that I can do and the more new things I can do, uh, just give it to me. So, um, yeah. what I do is a little bit of, uh, sales, helping to build the company, helping to kind of allow Taras to enter into spaces we haven't been in before. And so in this season, what that specifically looks like is this past December, we acquired a refugee recruiting re uh, firm called Amplio Recruiting. Are you familiar with Amplio? I'm not. No. Okay. They're incredible. Uh, we love the Amplio team. Uh, really, it was we called it an adoption more than an acquisition because it was really like yeah. becoming family more than anything else. Yeah. Um, it, my role in that acquisition has been how do I partner alongside with Amplio to help them just, just build as a company? And so that means doing sales for them, but it also means like uh, coaching their teams. That means like coming alongside and learning from their teams like because they have a temp to perm model in recruiting that is just phenomenal. And they're able to do... Yeah an incredible amount of volume in the yeah. amount of players that they do in a really niche space of refugee recruiting. So yeah. I love being able to just learn from them and to be able to just gain as much insight as I can, but also yeah. building something that hasn't existed in our company before. 
Um, one cool piece that I'm really excited about is that uh, this past week we're we're talking with some churches here in the area um, to figure out how we can create kind of a uh, outpost is probably the best word, but an outpost in Raleigh for refugees, immigrants, people who are new to the United States to come to and speak with Taras to get an interview for a job, right? So oh, cool. Yeah, it's amazing. So ordinarily, uh, those who come into the United States uh, on refugee status or immigrant status, they're placed through a resettlement firm. And that resettlement firm is usually overloaded, right? Like usually yeah. have like a caseload they can't even begin to bear. And so they work with companies to be able to just kind of get people jobs. It's like, it's like, let's just get people a job so they can get an income. A lot of times the companies uh, aren't really as mindful of what it looks like to work with a refugee. Right. Don't really have a capacity to understand for their specific needs. And so there's placement happening and there's beginning of life happening, but uh, a lot of times those jobs are really quick turnover. And so in six, eight months, the family's in the exact same place they found themselves. And so um, we're actually partnering uh, with Refugee Hope Partners, which interestingly enough, my beautiful wife is on staff at Refugee Hope Partners, so it works out perfectly. Uh, and so we are, we're linking arms with them. They're at a community down in uh, near uh, North Raleigh, actually two minutes from my house. Um, and then we're linking arms with them and a few other resettlement agencies so that Taras can be one of the first places where somebody comes in from the United States, resettlement agencies are working to get them settled in life. And if they need a job in the RDU area, they would come to us. And so yeah. we would met them, we'd get to know them, hear their story. And then we would find partners in the various locations in Raleigh, partner companies that we can specifically connect them to. Um, so that, that just jacks me up because that's super exciting. It, it's being able to kind of do those, that both end of ministry, but also using um, business as an avenue for doing that ministry. So creating something new, if something doesn't exist and then making it exist and then being able to help people in the process. That's what really jacks me up. Yeah, that is, that's super sweet. I actually got, um, after college, I tried to start a couple of businesses, didn't go anywhere and, um, actually three and some of them were okay. None of them were like really taking off. So, um, my wife had got a job through a temp agency. And so I ended up going to the same one and we ended up getting hired into a fortune 250 company through a temp agency. Wow. And um, yeah, it was kind of our intro to uh, corporate America. We were in, we were actually, it was in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and we actually were a book distributor. So it was like the office and we really called it the office and the warehouse. Um, so, amazing. but yeah, it's a, that is such a cool thing that you guys are, yeah, that you're really redeeming a business model that, you know, of course, some of them you know, like any business, you're going to have the gamut of how well they're run and how well they treat people, but you're taking it to a whole nother level than anything I've ever heard of. Um, so is the, is the proper term recruiting now? Do we not use the term temp agencies anymore or? Good question. Um, I think it, I think it depends on the, okay. the type of recruiting that's done. So there yeah. are there are different kinds of agencies. Um, so the the agency that you guys got hired with in Scranton, which I just love that you got hired by a temp agency in Scranton. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're essentially Ryan Howard, is what I'm hearing. Like that's just <laughs> um, I love it so much. Um, and if is your wife named Kelly? Because that would just be perfect. Uh, now it's Jen, but okay, yeah. all right, yeah, that'd be amazing. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, in that circumstance, those are staffing firms, right? So that's a, yeah. a temp firm staffing firm, most of the time companies 
just exist in one wing of recruiting. So there are RPO firms, which is recruiting, placing, and outsourcing. Uh, There's direct placement firms, which is usually a lot of like, uh, actually we're we're overseas in Dubai and Indonesia. And a lot of our work overseas is with Ernst & Young doing kind of direct placement for them. Um, And then attempt to perm. So it's kind of like the three buckets of of recruiting world. Um, What we do is unique in that we're not just siloed into one. We actually are willing to be a group that interacts in all three. Uh, so okay. is really our temp to perm wing, right? So they do gig staffing, uh, kind of that 60 day window, and then you go to permanent. That's where they thrive and they're like, they are excellent at it. One of their recruiters, I, I mean, like they just place like 200 people in like two months. Like they're just like, wow. they're astounding. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. Um, so like they're, they're incredible. That's the temp staffing world. Turos has historically existed in the RPO model um, okay. going to Chick-fil-A's and they completely hand over their staffing to us. So in, in oh, RPO, wow. you say, okay, Tyler is now my hiring person, right? I might have yeah. an HR director, but that HR director is going to do a lot of the in-house stuff. Tyler's going to come with Taras and they're going to do all the outbound hiring and recruiting. So that's kind of how wow. the RPO model works. And then the, yeah. the replacement is you pay us a fee up front, say, Hey, I need this many directors. I need this many leaders. I need this many warehouse people. We go find those people and then get a fee on the back end. So um, we we kind of can exist in all those spaces, which is why we kind of call it like recruiting because it's generally fits in all those. Um, yeah. But our goal as a company is honestly like to, to become the largest redemptive staffing firm in the world, right? So if yeah. our goal is to enter into a business that is historically uh, transactional and exploitative, we want to be able to enter into that space and take our model and apply it into each of these major uh, sectors of recruiting, right? So yeah. like, what would it look like if there was a company in temp to perm staffing that so cared for people who are only there for 60 days that they get to get on the job, job coaching, interview coaching, the chance to hear the gospel and are genuinely cared for by the people who work with them, right? They're yeah. not a number they're they're actually seen as a person we just we're trying to bring on somebody now for our team uh with the amplio team who's going to be specifically dedicated to candidate care like her full-time job is going to be how do we care for the candidates that we bring on that's while we cool. have employees like that's that's how we've got to think about it and so if yeah. we enter into that space and change the spaces in just the small avenues that we have and keep growing in that capacity then at some point we're not just talking about okay, you work with Chick-fil-A, that makes sense, you're Christian, okay. Oh, or you work with refugees, that makes sense, you're Christian. We're now talking about actually changing the language of an entire industry, yeah. right? We're talking about entering into a space and changing it, and changing it yeah. from the bottom up. And that's that's really what our heart is, is to be the agents of change in that space. If you want to change an industry, change the language, right? Change how yeah. people talk about what they talk about, the words they use, because the words end up shaping you, right? So if yeah. we can have redemption as, as our driving word for what yeah. we do. It can end up changing an entire industry. So that, that's kind of our, our long-term, our, our big hope and goal. Yeah, I would love, um, yeah, to see you guys take over the world. <laughs> Just um, what, you know, I, I moved over to Thailand. We were with an organization called Stop Slavery to Combat Human Trafficking. And um, one of the stories for me that is just, you know, kind of kind of explains this whole hiring thing, how it happens in this part of the world. A, a guy, man, it must have been like nine, ten years ago now, but he was told he could have a job and takes a taxi to a port, gets to the port, 
and is like, this doesn't seem right. And the guy who brought him is like, well, you owe me 12 bucks for the taxi ride here. And he goes, I don't have 12 bucks. And he goes, well, just work for a week then. And three years later, after being enslaved on a ship for three years, it would never come in to shore. You know, they'd stay out like 12 miles and offload the fish and bring on supplies. One day he just was like, forget it. I, I just, I'm going to jump off this thing, this boat at night. And I'm either, you know, I'm going to swim and try to find something or I'm going to die trying. Like that's how bad his life had gotten. And I, you know, you just, you look at a, a broken hiring process or people's need exploited. And so he ends up, you know, spending three years of his life as a slave on a ship. Um, and yeah, I'd be, I would love, you know, to see you guys in Cambodia and Thailand and Indonesia and this part of the world and going, you know, bringing some of those principles. Um, and obviously that's probably down the road a little bit for you guys, but, um, even just that the models out there, like all of a sudden, like I saw your tagline and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's another way to do this. Like there's a kingdom way to do the, the people business, the hiring business that is just really, really cool. So yeah. yeah. That, that anecdote is unfortunately common. Yeah. It's unfortunately common in most parts of the world. And yeah. we, we kind of in our, in our Western mindset, like to not think that that exists. Like we think we've solved yeah. slavery, right. In a lot of yeah. ways. And I mean, modern day labor slavery is, is active and is the norm in most places, yeah. and especially through hiring. You're right. And so yeah. um, that's why we're in Dubai. That's why we're in Indonesia, right? That's, that's why yeah. we're wanting to make those steps out there because man, if we can, if we can be faithful here and like can help redeem the people business in this Western construct, my goodness, yeah. let's get let's get to the places where it's even more broken and seek to do this. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So how big is is the company overall? Like, how many people? How many employees do you have? And then how many people do you place in a year? Just roughly. Yeah. Wow. So uh, we, I'm trying to think. So we've got offices in Raleigh, Durham, in Greenville, in Dallas, in Detroit, in Atlanta. Indonesia and Dubai. And so we're total about 40 people spread out. Okay. Over spaces. Uh, so yeah. virtual work is able to be happening pretty well. Um, yeah. I used to know the numbers by heart. I think we place something like 5,000 people a year. Um, wow. It's like the Lord is good. Uh, we're on, we're on track, I think to do closer to 7,000 people a year. We just keep growing. Sweet. Um, I, I want to double check that number uh, because I used to have that memorized, but it changed recently. <laughs> so I'll be sure. On yeah. That. Um, but yeah, it's, we're able to, to just be in sectors and places that ordinarily people aren't. So like, for, for example, with Chick-fil-A, we're, we're with almost 70 Chick-fil-A's right now, uh, with Amplio, we've got, uh, warehouse jobs in Detroit, uh, working for Jeep, Jeep Grand Cherokee over there, uh, helping put people in to make seats. Uh, we're doing, uh, like coffee companies in Atlanta. I mean, it's just kind of all over. Right. And yeah. um, the benefit of that is our goal is to pray for 200,000 candidates this year. That's our goal. That's is to cool. Speak to and pray for and share the gospel through prayer for 200,000 candidates, right? Like that's what drives yeah. us, right? The, the more yeah. people, I tell our sales team this all the time. I'm like, look, I, I don't care about making money, right? I don't care. Yeah. It, there's a part of it's like, I need to eat. Like I, need, I want right. my people to do well. That's not my driver, right? The, yeah. more, the more businesses we can work with, then the more candidates we can talk to, then the more yeah. people care about Jesus, right? Like yeah. 
that's the focus. And like, I have an amazing team who has the exact same like mindset where they're like, Tyler, yeah. let's like tell us where we're going to go so that we yeah. can have people to do that. So it's just, it's amazing yeah. to work for a company that has that kind of mentality and to want to go that yeah. way. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And yeah. And you have to do business excellently to grow so yeah. that you can have those opportunities, provide the jobs, you know, do all those things. Um, yeah. That's, that's really, really cool. So what are some of your, what are some of the dreams that you're still chasing after? We talked um, before we started recording that you're going to have a podcast starting next month. And uh... <laughs> man, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, like this is awesome. So maybe, maybe so. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a dreamer in a lot of ways. I'm, I'm also a builder. I, I did the same thing you did after college, tried starting businesses, didn't work out. Um, thankfully I look back at those models. I'm like, that was a terrible idea. Like that was a whole, yeah. like, I don't know how anyone gave me the time of day. Um, but like I, I, my, so my desire is to pastor ultimately. So I'm finishing cool. up Southeastern Seminary. I've got about a year left in my MDiv there. So be, be praying for me as I'm going through Hebrew, please. Um, and <laughs> it really, my, my desire is to pastor in some capacity. Um, but I also have just a heart for taking nothing and making something. And so yeah. uh, there's a desire for church planting. I don't know in what region specifically, what regard. Um, my wife and I are still kind of praying through what that would look like. Um, and then I, I love I love teaching. I love teaching the gospel. I love being able to kind of help people unpack ideas they have never heard about before, and then embrace yeah. them and let it change their life. And so, um, any capacity to to share the gospel, teach the gospel, and help people follow Jesus more is really my goal. Um, pastoral ministry would be incredible. Um, I love being able to work in business as well, though. So who knows what that would look like? Um, but the, the long-term goal is create, build, help people know Jesus more and, uh, be pastoring in some capacity. Um, if I am going to start a podcast, then I know who, who my first guest is going to be, uh, yeah, <laughs> in Thailand. Now I can, uh, poke questions at and figure things out with. So, um, yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. Yeah. You could even, I mean, you could even start one for the Turos group, you know, where you're interviewing your like people that have, you've brought in to you know, or that have hired you and what that process is like, or people that have gotten jobs and what it's like for them. Like, I think honestly, it would actually be a great, um, yeah, it'd be a great thing for you guys as a company. Like one, you would be great at it. I think just your natural conversationalist, but I think it would also be something that would really just kind of help your company get out there, you know? So that's thank you for the compliment. And that's also a really good idea. I'm going to take that back to, to Mike today. Uh, that's a really, really good idea. Yeah. Cool. Well, Tyler, thanks. It's been a blast to uh, have a conversation with you, hear what's going on at the Turos group, hear some of your heart, heart for the Lord, heart for people and the outworking of that for you, what that looks like for you to live out the gospel. So thanks so much. Keep doing what you're doing and um, making the world a better place and telling people about Jesus. Thanks, brother. It's been a blast. BAM School, facilitating a global, self-funding, disciple-making movement through business. Thanks for tuning in to the BAM School podcast. Find show notes, free courses, resources, and more at forbam.com.